History Haven, I'm Jonathan, and I'm here with Joseph Cannon. Today, we'll be talking about the second Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, our man Spencer Compton, aka Spen in 10. <laughs> he was known to his friends as the Earl of Wilmington, and he was a successful Speaker of the House of Commons. His tenure as First Lord of the Treasury was short. It lasted from the 16th of February 1742 to just the 2nd of July 1743, when he sadly died in office. He came to prominence after Sir Robert Walpole's lengthy administration, lasting over 21 years, and was only ever seen as a temporary replacement. Now we have a fun fact for our many American fans. The cities of Wilmington in Delaware, North Carolina, and Vermont are all named in his honour. Compton was born in around 1674, details are a bit fuzzy for this period, to aristocratic parents. His father was the third Earl of Northampton, and he went to university at Trinity College, Oxford. Compton's family background was very much aligned with the Tories. His uncle was Bishop of London. But following an argument, and it must have been quite a big argument, with his brother, he became a Whig. He sat as MP for I in Suffolk from 1698 to 1710. And in 1715, he became Speaker of the House of Commons, the position now held by John Burko. Order. Uh, and then in 1716, he became a member of the Privy Council. This may seem familiar to um, people who watched the first episode, hopefully the majority of people watching, listening to this one. Um, in 1727, King George II succeeded to the throne and sought to appoint Compton as PM, as he had promised. However, Compton was not known as a man of great ability. In fact, he was described by a contemporary as a plodding, heavy fellow with great application, but no talents. In particular, he proved unable to compete with Walpole's proposals for an allowance for the king. After a meeting between the three... Compton declared he was not up to the task of running a government. He maintained a hatred of Walpole for this humiliation, with this past his last serious chance of holding real control over policy, and his influence sharply declined as a result for the next decade and a half. He remained on very close terms with George, but the era when kings could personally select their own ministers in defiance of Parliament was ending. He was, however, made Earl of Wilmington in 1730 by King George II, and did later use our friendship to help him eventually become PM in 1742. As we discussed in the previous episode, Walpole's power faded away following the declaration of war with Spain in 1739, as his policies depended on the lack of English intervention in foreign wars. Compton therefore encouraged King George II to reconstruct his ministry on a broader base. He was rewarded with the appointment as First Lord of the Treasury in February 1742, after Walpole resigned. He attempted to bring in oppositional Whigs and Tories to reconstruct the ministry, but failed in the face of resistance both from King George II and Walpole's followers. Although he was Prime Minister, the real power lay with the Duke of Newcastle and John Carteret. If you'd like to know more about John Carteret or the Duke of Newcastle, we strongly urge you to listen to episode 4, dedicated to the Duke. With the power Compton did have, however, he was a forceful Prime Minister, and grew notorious amongst his cabinet for taking measures without fully reaching agreement between all men. Compton's premiership was mediocre at best. It was viewed as dull by the public and peers alike, and was the frequent target of satirists and caricaturists. The end of Compton's premiership is a rather sad one. His strong work ethic took its toll, and his health gradually deteriorated. He died unmarried and without issue, and therefore all of his titles became extinct upon his death. With no children to pass on his property, they went to his nephew, James Compton, 
While Spencer Compton left very little behind, he will forever go down as one of the sassiest members of Parliament. Whilst Speaker of the House of Commons, he famously said on the Duke of Newcastle, Sir, you have a right to speak, but the House has a right to judge whether they will hear you. He will forever be heard. And on that note, thank you for listening. We have been History Haven, and we hope you tune into our next episode.